Support for this podcast comes from the patrons at patreon.com slash fmlfpl. Okay, I have Ahmed Shubal with me. He is the Bournemouth staff writer for The Athletic, following the South Coast Cherries around this season upcoming. They're back in the prem. Ahmed, how are you doing today, dude? I'm good, I'm good, man. Thanks for having me on. How are you? I'm good, thank you. It's a, it's a pleasure to have you. Thank you for some of your time to, to teach us about Parker's team. So, you know, last year, came back, came up second place, you know, mostly in that 4-3-3 you know, very settled, very stable team, more or less, outside of a couple changes in January. But, you know, maybe you could give us kind of an overview of, you know, how, how the season went. So uh, the season started brilliantly, just to give you a sort of a, a brief synopsis of what happened. There was a 15-game unbeaten start to the season. Uh, it was a, a club record. The club hadn't done anything like that before in their history. Um, and I think they set some kind of record. I think the last person to go that many or close to that many was... Um, John Tegan out with Fulham back in, I think, the uh, it was at the turn of the millennium. And if you go further back than that, then I think the, it's just it's the, those sort of records start losing their substance. But yeah, it, it started off really well. Um, Parker had quite a threadbare squad, um, a few sort of academy players coming through. Two of them, um, Jordan Zamora and Jaden Anthony, who built up quite a nice partnership along the left-hand side. Jordan Zamora being the left-back and Jaden Anthony being the left-winger. All sorts of underlapping, overlapping, sort of neat passing moves. You know, they're very good mates off the pitch as well. So that helps. They've got that chemistry building. Um, so they were a big sort of part also with Philip Billing around that sort of, they, they created like a sort of left-sided triangle or along the left-hand side of the pitch. And that was a big part of Bournemouth's sort of um, attacking verb. Obviously, you've got Dominic Solanke spearheading the attack. Um, 29 goals in the league last season, 13 on comps. Um, and if it wasn't for that pesky Mitrovic, he would have probably come away as the sort of, um, the sort of promoted striker to, to put all your chips behind in terms of those uh, cheap forward assets and fantasy. But um, no, I think he's, I think um, Parker definitely uh, managed to instill his, his 4-3-3 system pretty quickly, pretty early on. Um, and the way they play is very similar to Man City in the sense that they kind of attack with the front five. Um, and I said, by the way, I'm going to go quite into quite detail with this, but I, this is like, I don't know how they're going to shape up in the Premier League just as a precursor because it's a completely different league. You go from having the majority of the ball in the championship to having next to none of it in the champion, in the Premier League, rather. And so to adjust, we don't really know for sure how Parker's going to line up. There is a possibility he might go with the back three slash back five. Uh, he has fiddled with that at times last season. But uh, just going on about last season, it was a 4 3 3. And sometimes, or the majority of the time, particularly against teams that sat back, which was quite a few championship teams, um, they would attack with a sort of a front five. So it would be the front three, the the, the left winger, the right winger, and the, and the striker, and the two sort of number eights. Uh, so they would be sort of attacking midfielders almost. And they would make runs almost beyond the striker. They would almost, when, when they were out of possession, they would press the goalkeeper. Like they were sometimes the furthest sort of people on the pitch. And uh, particularly Philip Billing who, if you watched him in the Premier League before, you'd think of him as more of a defensive midfielder. And he's got that in his locker. But since he's been since he's been at Bournemouth over these last couple of seasons, he's unleashed a lot more of attacking potential. Similarly with Jefferson Lerma as well, who played the other number eight role. Um, so yeah, they were a very attacking sort of, not necessarily gung-ho, because they were quite conservative in the sense that when they went a goal up, they knew when to, uh, they, they, they kind of pulled the handbrake up and would go to a back five and that would invite pressure. Um, but no, they, they definitely, you know, it's Parker's got, Parker definitely imprinted his style pretty early on. And then came after that 15 game on beaten start, uh, a very sort of bad winter slump where they lost to the likes of Hull, um, quite dramatic, a dramatic loss um, at Luton. And it culminated in, uh, I don't know if you saw this, but the, uh, the FA Cup defeat to not only Boreham Wood, uh, mm-hmm. and that was quite humiliating. Um, that happened in around, um, I think just the end of January before Bournemouth had um, uh, made all those signings. And it, 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 it definitely sort of, that whole boring, boring Parker sort of um, mantra, if you like, sort of started to, to creep up again, not just from Fulham fans, um, but from some Bournemouth fans as well. And a lot of it came from just this idea that there was a very specific style of play, a very rigid style of play, and that Parker um, was sort of very instructive in the way that he wanted his players to play. And there wasn't, they did they lacked that sort of, 
attacking instinct that you you do certain things off the cuff, the little off the cuff bits of play in the final third that opponents are predicting. And there was just that idea that Bournemouth had become a bit more predictable in their attacks. And there was a, there was a little bit of truth in that. I definitely feel that in the sense that, um, for example, both wingers play on the side of their weaker foot. So you've got Ryan Christie, who's a left footer. He's playing on the right. He cuts inside. Jaden Anthony on the right, on the left, sorry. He cuts inside. And so when you know they're always going to cut inside and you know the, the, the fullbacks are always going to overlap on the outside or sometimes overlap on, or underlap on the inside, those sort of patterns of play becomes a lot easier to defend against. And you need a kind of a, a live wire. But there was just none of that in Parker's team at that time. Um, and then you get towards the springtime and then results start to pick up again. Um, Bournemouth start to get back on the, promote, the automatic promotion race. And um, it becomes a lot more expressive and a lot more free and you start to see all these sort of late goals and it, it just goes to show that they have this determination in them even though like they'll, they'll keep knocking on the door and they'll be really unlucky they'll get a um, a 90 it was a 98 minute penalty against fulham dominic Solanke scored that only came about from a i forget who's running into the box but it was quite a brave run into the box because adam smith um and you've oh, got like, adam uh, smith still knocking around he is like <laughs> yeah i think there are two bournemouth players who went up from the last promotion, him and Junior Stanislas, um, who was actually riddled quite uh, savagely with, yeah. with injury last season, I think. Well, that's his, that's his yeah. calling card. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. And it's quite sad because he, when he came on last season, um, or when he started, for example, he would like, I remember the game against Blackpool at home, pretty early on in the season. He started in that one of those number eight roles. And it's weird because I, I normally think of him as a winger, but he was really creative. I think he set up yeah. a Solanke goal and he came off in like the straight after that. And yeah, I mean, like, oh. long, we've been, this is like our eighth year potting or something, but we yeah. are obsessed with Junior Stanislas. <laughs> Historically, we love him. So if, if he gets inside or starts playing minutes, like we're going to be all in and around him. Cause I, I personally think he's got a lot in his locker, but he just can't string. He can't play for two months in a row without something happening. So, yeah, no. you know, I, I think, and at this point, Right, fitness is a skill, and it's just one that he unfortunately doesn't have. Um, yeah, I think it's just yeah. It's sometimes as a footballer, a lot of footballers have just sort of. I think it might come down to a thing of sort of genetics, or just your body has just been yeah. under such wear and tear that so, mm-hmm. certain people can take it and certain people can't, and your body yeah. just like kind of gives away. You think of Michael Owen; it's just a bit sad, really. He just yeah. didn't have sure. the uh, yeah yeah power to pull that speed. Yeah. So, you know, yeah, that was a super eloquent and concise, you know, summary of last season. Thank you. There are a couple of names I just want to dive a little bit deeper. You know, Billing, you know, you mentioned, right, last time most of us saw him was that when he was at Huddersfield. I, I love Billing. I couldn't believe that he's been in the, spending time in the championship over the last couple of years. I'm a Palace supporter. I was like, Huddersfield goes by Billing now, you know, and he just stays down there in the championship chilling. But yeah, I mean, we do remember him more in that destroyer role, right? Like breaking up play getting stuck in and throwing tackles around so what kind of you know roaming eight or getting forward as that kind of midfield runner in the the eight role has he become i mean does he like top bin really good shots is he just kind of getting tap-ins close close range shots you know what kind of what kind of goals does he score what's he kind of up to these days he is i guess he played kind of more as a second striker to Solanke at times which is really weird he's like a unicorn of a midfielder he can pretty much play (laughs) He can play as a six, as an eight, as a ten. Yeah. Um, he was definitely the more advanced of the number eights. Um, Lerma would sometimes tuck in next to the holding midfielder, Lewis Cook, uh, to defend against transition. But Billing would certainly, almost like for, for quite a, a large part of the season, he would lead the press. He would press from the front. You know, his running numbers, he just doesn't stop running. And a lot of, I think a lot of people thought of Billing as a kind of a luxury player. You know, he's a bit sort of <sighs> ungainly in the way he moves and, I guess that, you know, when he's playing bad, he's very noticeable. I don't know if that's because his size or whatever, but yeah. he's just, when he, ha- when he has a bad game, it's a really bad game. But he just <laughs> didn't have many of those on the Parker last season. Parker seems to have gotten a tune out of him. He actually, when Parker was first appointed as the former manager last season, this time last year, um, and he had his first conversation with Billing, and Billing was one of the players that Parker really admired from afar. Um, he basically he was he was subject to interest from I think Norwich at the time and a few other clubs I think not in not in England I think abroad, and he basically went into the to a, to a meeting with the uh, sporting director and the chief executive and was like, look, reject all offers for me. I don't care if I have to spend another season of the championship. I want to play on Scott Parker. So they've definitely oh, got God. that. I don't know if that's a good or a bad thing though. That's a little scary. 
<laughs> I mean, I, Parker has this kind of hypnotic sort of uh, way with players that, like, when they have one conversation with him, every player just waxes lyrical about him. It's really yeah. like I'm trying to. I'm actually trying to put a piece together about it just to see, just to get like what what exactly he says or the kinds of. But you've seen, I think you've seen that. Um, uh, team talk he gave in the in the Nottingham Forest game that went viral, right? He's a very emotive sort of speaker, so you can understand. He seems like quite a relatable guy, quite a genuine guy. Yeah, um, I mean, he definitely has a lot of that like man management kind of quality, right? We do see when when you see so many players coming off and saying like, "I love playing for him," is very instructive, very detail oriented, right? Telling me what I need to do to be successful, that kind of thing. You can't yeah. really teach that, but when you, it comes to putting all the pieces together. He keeps failing. So, you know, I think something you, you touched on earlier, right, is that he's four three three. It's okay. It's one thing when you have the better team on the pitch, right? And what we keep seeing him with him in the Premier League, right, when he's, you know, last up with, with Fulham, sure, they have those couple month stretches, you know, in the second half of the season where they're quite hard to beat, quite compact, you know, conceding maybe one goal. They're also not scoring any goals. My concern looking at this Bournemouth team as it's currently constructed is that it's going to kind of end up being like a 4-5-1. Everyone's parked and Solanke is like the furthest man forward, like kind of at the center circle, and they just can't get out. You guys haven't bought any fucking buy a right back. <laughs> what What's going on with the, like, do you have no money? Are you guys like under it from FFP? Like, what, I, why have you not added? Because this team is garbage comparatively <laughs> squad-wise to the rest of the league, right? I think garbage is harsh. I think they've done like okay, cool. I, that's a very good recycling. And it's it's. <laughs> I guess you could call it that. It's some kind of advanced recycling. But no, I think the, the the impression I get from the club is that they've done, and this is true, they've done very well to keep the likes of Jefferson, Lambert, Lewis Cook, Dominic Solanke, Lloyd Kelly, um, Philip Billing, um, a lot of these players who probably could have gone elsewhere when they got relegated, and probably could have you know developed their careers elsewhere and made a name for themselves. And who know who knows where they'd be if they did that? But they kept them. They sort of fostered uh, a vision on Scott Parker, and they've wanted Parker as Eddie Howe's successor for a long time. So when they got that, they felt like they could now align the players with that vision. And the players have basically, for the most part, um, you know, they've, they've they've loved every minute of every minute of it. And I think the club's view is that they weren't as, or the, going up to the Premier League now, they're much more equipped than they were the first time, and they were not equipped at all the first time, and they still managed to do pretty well. However, the Premier League has advanced quite a bit since then. Um, but uh, so of these players, like the, the the player that Solanke was when he went down, he was somewhere between a second striker and a and a forward. He didn't really, he hadn't really put any significant. He was never really the main guy in a team. He was always second, third, fourth choice, or whatever. Even at Bournemouth, right? No disrespect, of course. But now, our, when when they went down to the Premier League, he got the chance to sort of step up as the main man. And we've seen with other strikers, you know, Ollie Watkins going down to the Championship and coming up as a as a as a as a top league striker. Tammy Abraham going down to the championship, coming back better. Um, pa- pa- Paddy Bamford not really to an, not really that great. He has hasn't really found his foot in the pre- found his feet in the Premier League. Well, he did but, two years ago. A couple, but as I'm talking about since then, he's had troubles with injuries, and it's been a bit difficult sure. for him. Sure. Um, but yeah, it's, it's so we've seen that there's there's definitely a precedent for that, and I think Solanke is one of those players you mentioned who will probably do well. As for the others. You touched on the idea that they'll be under the cosh for a little bit. I do I do agree. I think a lot of their goals will come in transition. They'll definitely be seeding possession, sitting back. You said 4-5-1. I think it might even be a 5-4-1. Um, they might go with... They haven't, they've only got, I think, four centre-backs at the minute, so it'd be very brave for them to do that. But um, I think it would a lot. they would have to rely on goals in transition. But I, having said that, Bournemouth, when it came to coming up against opponents who went toe-to-toe with them last season in the Championship, uh, the better sides, like you know your Huddersfields, your Fulham's, your um, your Coventry's, those sides who would really press and attack you. Bournemouth were just able to play through so simply and just sort of um, find the spaces in behind and unlock them and unpick them effortlessly. Um, it was it was the teams lower down the table who would sit back that Bournemouth struggled against. They when it came up, <laughs> exactly. They yeah. actually get it. So that's so that's the sort of flip side I'd say. Okay. And there are a couple of people I've asked. None of they don't play for Bournemouth anymore. I like Dan Juma when he was at Bournemouth a couple of seasons back. I asked him if he found it difficult, more difficult in the Prem Championship because in the Championship he was killing it, but he had like four guys on him at all times because they know, they knew how dangerous he was. Uh, and I was like, in the Premier League, like what, what, what's what's sort of more difficult for you? And he said the Championship is more difficult because I got five guys on me two games a week. Some some of the some of the facilities are great, and then, but in the Premier League, I've got all the space to play into. And if we time it right, and if we execute it right, um, which obviously takes hours on the training ground and a lot of sort of painstaking uh, concentration, focus, 
um, if we but if we do put all those pieces together and get it right, we can really damage teams on the break because a lot of teams will play high line and almost like they 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 love they love to score a fast goal on the break. They didn't score many of them, but when the opportunity presented itself, they they definitely knew how to do that. What does that look like? Because I mean, it's first of all interesting note for me to hear you talking about Lerma because I remember him as just being an absolute shit house when he was up in the Premier League before. So I'm excited to see like how he's progressed and how he's evolved because he showed to me like signs and little moments where it was like, oh, Lerma's having doing a lot. But then I would watch, you know, just get some crazy, insane yellow cards and just run around like checking checking with his head cut off. So I could see how that like interplay could work from a defensive standpoint. But I mean Solanke's not, you know, the fastest runner, you know, and Christie's you know, I mean, what is that pattern? Is it like Billing coming deep, past to Anthony, Solanke getting him behind, or like how is that quick hit for you guys usually? For the Majority of time, it, it will come from a not necessarily a, a kind of a direct. Basically, Lloyd Kelly at the back is um, a very consummate passer of the ball, very confident in possession. Actually, started out as an attacking left back, which is weird because he's very tall. Whenever mm. I see a tall left back, I just think of Dan Byrne, and that makes me feel very weird. Just, <laughs> seeing him trudge up and down the wing like that—that that was yeah. crazy. That was just yeah. And with Lancy on the other side, I was just like, "What is going on?" Like, anyway, anyway, I don't know. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> It's, um, yes, yeah, so, so, yeah, it's Lloyd Kelly. He is a very good passer from the back, and he would often sort of drive this, like, sort of driven pass into the feet of Philip Billing, who would drop deep. And Billing has got, like, this sort of velvet touch where he would take it on the half yeah. turn. Um, and then that would sort of break the first sort of line. And then now the whole team is just sort of, the whole, the opponent's back line is just sort of backtracking. Back and they've got, yeah, yeah gotcha. and, it's, and it just, and then you've got all these sort of runners just arrowing forward at you. And it's just, that's yeah. how the kind of space opens up with that initial quick punch. Gotcha. And Lewis, okay. Lewis Cook, Lewis Cook is often that initiator. He's, yeah, he's a good he is player. really, yeah. he's really, really good on the ball sure. and defensively sure. as well. For a player yeah. to come back from two ACL injury. injuries. Yeah. Yeah. That is insane. And he looks yeah. like better now, which is crazy. Yeah. Okay. So I think, you know, last, one of the last things I wanted to touch on is a little bit more on Solanke. I mean, I think I, I also is another, when I look at this team, the two players I love historically and today is Billing and Solanke. Like I, I loved, I've always loved them. And I agree with you, that point for you, right? With Solanke, where he was on Liverpool, he was sure he was getting some minutes, but they, you know, you never know where they're going to come. Went down. He's still so young, right? And he's, he's really like taking pens, main man, scoring all kinds of goals. I mean, for us, we've been kind of looking at him and talking about him as like, Pookie kind of an output like is he going to be able not the way he looks I think he's a million times better than Pookie I don't think that's a comparison I just am saying in terms of on the score sheet at the end of the season like reasonably like do you think that it's kind of like a 13 goal like five assist kind of year or would that be underselling it how do you see that um I it's difficult to say for sure I'd, I'd like to think that he would hit double digits in goals um, but it would just be, I think, because he is a big part of Bournemouth's attack. He scores. He, he scored last season a big proportion. I don't remember exactly. I think it was just over half of uh, Bournemouth's goals last season in the league. I imagine he'll probably be similarly impactful this season. Mm. Um, but it's just whether or not Bournemouth can get their attacks to click. Um, yeah. I'll have to wait and see. But I think, I mean, I know he's becoming a lot more ruthless in front of goal. I know his XG, he, he underperformed his XG slightly last season. Um, and there were a couple of chances that he really should have tucked away. But on the whole, I've seen him tuck away chances that I really wouldn't have expected him to tuck away as well. Um, in terms of the range of his finishes, he's got like a, um, he's, he's, he's becoming more of an aerial threat from set pieces as well. Um, he's got the penalty down pat, which is obviously an easy way to get the, to, to get those goal numbers up. Uh, left foot, right foot. The way Parker's team played, they don't really take many shots from outside the box. They definitely, in a similar way to early Pep at City, those sort of cutbacks. Uh, into the six-yard box area, so a lot of his shots come from there. A lot of the team shots in general come from there, and it's a good enough idea that you know the closer you're taking your shots to the goal, the more likely they are to be converted as goals. So um, yeah, he's definitely he's got that predatory box striker in him, so where he can sort of get those ugly goals. He's definitely threatened behind. Um, he's not the quickest, but he's definitely got um, you know enough pace about him to get beyond the last line and time his run well. Um, a physical striker as well. Definitely, he's also played as a number ten, so he's 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 got this ability to sort of drop to the halfway line on the half turn, sort of carry literally carry a defender on his back and just sort of turn away with the ball close, like glued to his feet. It's remarkable because he's like quite a, like, quite a tall figure, um, and it's, it's to have that sort of close control and balance and yeah. speed and strength all combined 
is 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 really good to see. And then he'll just start forward and just be ahead to sort of thrust the whole team forward with yeah. that sort of move. Yeah. Which is like, yeah, so he's got it all really, not just as a striker, but he can play a little bit deeper with runs yeah. beyond him. Um he's 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 I think he's he can be quite the full package. Actually he scored today. There was a preseason friendly that just finished now. Um, between uh, Bournemouth and Sheffield Wednesday in, in Portugal. And Stalanke was on the score sheet. The game wasn't available to watch, but from what I can tell uh, from, from the commentary and um, from what the club have said, it's basically um, he's been played through on goal. It's a typical Dominic Stalanke goal. Been played through on goal. Um, take a few touches. Like, like, far post. Sure, sure, like, yeah. it's, it's, he's just, he just goes cold in that moment. And he's got that clinical nature that I think was lacking from him. And I think he backs himself. Uh, yeah. I don't. I don't want to. Put, you could probably tell. I don't want to put a number on it. I want to say at least ten. I don't know about the assists because uh, while he did get quite a few, he got six assists last year. Um, that's not really. A, I mean, uh, he's not really that's making a lot the final to me. Pass. Yeah, yeah. But there's also yeah, yeah, yeah. fantasy assists aren't real. Like sometimes the rebound goal, right? That counts to, up to yeah, me. Yeah. That's an assist, even though like to real the real world, it's not. But we play then fantasy. Then it'll probably end up getting quite a few of those. I think. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, him and Billing, they're both kind of like giraffes, and they, they are like so bizarre in how they do have that close control, and they're just physical units and just monsters, and yeah, it's it's going to be fun watching them play together. Yeah, Anthony and Christy on the wings, I mean, is there any interest there? Are they really just like, they'll chip in with the assist, the odd goal here or there, but I mean, are they going to really be able to be FPL picks, do you think, or they're just making up numbers? I think Christie definitely, and if you look at his numbers last year, they are great uh, in terms of his goals and assists. But I think he snuffed at a lot of chances. Um, he's definitely from from his time at Celtic, he's got a great sort of ball striking ability. Um, but at Bournemouth, he's been using a couple of positions. He's always known exactly what to do, um, and it's just like he's got this sort of. Um, he, I think he's probably the main guy. I think him and Anthony, I, think, I don't want to say him, but he's the main guy. It's probably a bit unfair, but he's one of the main guys who would provide that extra bit of magic to unlock a team that you just have like the sort of like the dummies, the sort of the ball rolls, the flicks, the, 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 the feints, all that stuff. He, he's, he, he's the sort of one of the, the main guys in Bournemouth for that, along with Anthony, I think they, they definitely provide that threat. Whether and then or not Parker that translation spanks him for doing things imaginatively <laughs> and creatively, it's like, no, no, Ryan. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I think Anthony is a little bit, um, is a bit more of an unknown quantity in that regard because this is technically his second full season uh, professionally. Last season was his first. And while him and, him and Zamora came through the ranks pretty well. I mean, they were uh, not to be disrespectful to them. They were only given that chance at the beginning of last season because there were like nine first teamers unavailable, and they literally they were the only people who could do it. And they they performed so well that when those players who were fit came back, for example, there was Leif Davis from Leeds United who was on loan, uh, and the idea was that they would sort of him and Zamora would be the sort of two uh, left backs fighting for the spot. Zamora didn't sort of put a foot wrong for the majority of the season. He became first choice. Same thing with Anthony. And whether or not that translates again to it, because it's a bigger step up to the Premier League and he's still quite young, you know, 22 years old. Um, I'm not sure whether or not Parker will trust him there. I like to think he will. Um, his numbers... Well, he is, does he have other options? Like playing 4-4-2 with Kiefer Moore up? I mean, they, they kind of have to, right? They're not buying it. Siriki, Siriki Dembele is the, the other winger. He's a lot okay. more tricky. He's, he's a bag of tricks, that guy. Um, if Bournemouth had a five-a-side team, he would be my, the first name on my team sheet. Um, <laughs> he's so, like, just remarkably, like, it's, it's, I don't even want to just put it all down to skills because there's a certain level of balance and intelligence that comes with that. Like, he just never gets shrugged off the ball because he's, he's, he's really small as well. I think he's like 5'5". Five, five. So it's just a little bit weird to, to, nod, to nudge him off because he's so Brian quick. Brian Fraser 2.0. <laughs> probably probably but yeah he's okay. definitely someone who, who thrives in in space so it's between him and anthony on the left wing i think ryan okay. christie would be a lot more of a, a solid pick at 5.5 billing okay. is a little bit, a bit more difficult to tell but if, he, if billing plays advanced he's my favorite out of those sorts of three gotcha yeah christie's had an interesting kind of career i mean he's like very prominent for the scottish national team kind of has fallen out of fallen out of favor a little bit the last couple of years but yeah it's interesting he did you know i mean he did play a lot of minutes last year so i guess we'll see i guess we'll see and yeah, yeah i mean we didn't touch on the goalkeeper i guess travers is someone who is somewhat interesting because he should be busy you know he should be keeping saves and he did keep a bunch of them last year you know that could be an option at the four or five shout but i mean i don't think the defense is really somewhere where we're looking fpl wise to to pick players yeah. i think it's probably more you know if a mid pro- 
if a cheap midfielder emerges and Solanke, um, mm, probably. Mm. Do you have anything more to say about that, or do you think that's pretty accurate right now when we're looking at things? Yeah, I mean, personally speaking, I tend not to target promoted teams' defenses. I mean, if it, it, Travers would probably going to be the number one, so I'd say he'd make a good backup keeper if you have like a if you're going for a premium goalkeeper. Uh, I know the premium keepers are quite cheap as well, so um, you probably get two of them. But even if you want to go, if you're going big elsewhere. Um, you could definitely go for Travers as a backup. Okay. You'll definitely get the game time. And he got the Golden Glove Award last season in the championship right. for the most clean sheets. Right. So Player of the season for Bournemouth, right? Yeah, he put up some absolutely mammoth saves and he won a heap of uh, individual awards in a season when Dominic Sanchez scored 30 goals for the first yeah. time in his career, which is, sure. is, is, quite, is, is quite remarkable. He was absolutely instrumental to Bournemouth staying in front or drawing, you know, just putting so many points on the board. At points that like Bournemouth had sort of most of the ball, so he would be un- like uncalled upon for the majority, and then have to switch on, and then he just pull out this <laughs> barrel of amazing saves. Like it was, it was crazy. Whether I think he, he, he definitely, I see him doing that a lot more in, in in the Premier League and just growing as a player. But yeah, yeah I mean, I, I tend not to target. I think Ryan Fredericks might be a decent asset at four five as well. I think he's he. Uh, mm, yeah, he five. is four five. He probably it's, it's going to be a, a shootout between him and Adam Smith. He, Ryan Fraser he, is a lot I mean, more. Adam Smith cannot right. be beating him for a job, right? That's crazy. You, you, every, so Bournemouth have had in the past sort of three years, Eddie Howe, um, Jonathan Woodgate, uh, Jason Tindall, uh, and uh, Scott Parker. When Adam Smith is fit, he starts. It doesn't matter about anything else. When Adam Smith is fit, he starts. And that's one <laughs> thing. Every manager I've, I've, since I've been covering Bournemouth have, have, have had with him. So, I, I mean, sometimes I question it, but I think with the arrival of Fredericks, like I said earlier, they could go to um, a back three, which would warrant wing-backs. Fredericks is a lot more of a, a wing-back. He's sort of attacking uh, guy down that right, right-hand right side. I yeah. think he could definitely um, offer some... Not definitely. Let me not say definitely. That's a bit overrating it there. I think Maybe. he could potentially, perhaps... <laughs> okay. um, you know, do something for you there if he gets that run of games. But he can also okay. play on the left or the right. So he's a he's a versatile one as well. He's one to keep an eye on, okay. I think. Okay. All right, man. I think we'll probably call it there. Do you have anything else you want to uh to get out there before we say bye bye? Um be sure to read my piece on the athletic. Uh if you aren't subscribed already, follow me on Twitter at Ahmed Shubal. It's just my name. Uh yeah. That's it, man. Thanks for yeah, having man. me on. No, I really appreciate it. I've been reading your articles as they've been coming out for Bournemouth. Love your content over there on The Athletic. Really, really happy to have you, and uh, cheers. Thank you very much, man. Peace. Okay, I have Greg Mitchell with us from the Garibaldi Red podcast to talk some Nottingham Forest. Greg, how are you? I'm good, yeah. Ready to go, to be honest. It seems to have been a long preseason, so it's good to be back. Long preseason, a lot of years since you've been up in this division, huh? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I suppose that's probably why it feels. <laughs> yeah, man. <laughs> Twenty-three years. I was, I was a, a young teenager at the time, so yeah. just a couple decades. No big deal. Not a, not a long <laughs> wait. So you know, I want to get straight stuck in here. You know, you had a nightmare at the beginning of the season last with Hutton. You know, old man Hutton, nice guys. Everyone kind of reports, but didn't know what the fuck he was doing managing the team. Cooper comes in, bang. Tell me about that. The unthinkable happened. You always dream that there's still a chance, but the season had got into pretty much, you know, territory of no return. And then straight away, even the game before he started, so he was announced, but he didn't manage the team. We had um, Steve Reed come in and take the team and the, the entire thing was different. And the whole crowd walked away from Huddersfield away, funnily enough. Thinking, you know, that that looks good. That we've got a chance here, and it just snowballed. It's just the most incredible journey I've ever been on, and we've waited long enough for it. So <laughs> I yeah. think we deserved it. <laughs> yeah. So you know, Cooper came in and switched, start playing three at the back. Looked like you guys were kind of in that three, four, one, two. What you know? What was the style last season? You know, I mean, who were the main men? How did it? How did it come together? You know, were you an attacking front foot possession countering? You know, how how would you kind of describe that? There was a lot of countering, but there was also a lot of clever play right from the back, right from Samba in goal, who's obviously now left us. But um, they were so calm at the back and they'd play it. And if it got down that right wing, if it got to Jed Spence and then Johnson, we were unstoppable. And you could see teams trying to counter that and flooding their left-hand side, trying to defend it. And they were unstoppable. 
and it left our left side so open that if we ever did get too busy down there it just it came and it seemed to keep working we never really had to change our tactics because we seemed that good teams couldn't really cope with it it was just mm-hmm. magical to watch to be honest mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so are you imagining sort of a similar style coming up into playing with the big boys or are you imagining more of a solid compact kind of you know maybe more of like a three five instead of like the three four one how do you think that's going to look next this season upcoming I think Cooper's a very clever manager. He's one of these modern managers that we're, we're very lucky to have him and he will adapt and he'll change because, you know, we're not, we're not the good team in this league. We're under no illusions that we're going to be one of the best, but we'll be clever. And I think we'll get the results through being clever. So he'll stick to three at the back and he'll have his two wing backs. Um, I think we'll go probably two up front though. Um, just. You know, sure, sure the midfield up a bit because the midfield's the area where we haven't really recruited yet. So that's going to be interesting. But when we finished this season, Jed Spence was just incredible. He was immense and he looks like he's going to Spurs, but we've replaced him with Nico Williams, who's arguably even a better player. And, you know, we're signing these players from Munich and from Liverpool now who we didn't dream we were going to play. So it is very much, even for a fan who's travelled home and away, it's, it's into the unknown, really. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, we could talk about Nico coming over, right? I mean, Jed Spence, you know, two goals, four assists last season in the championship. You know, played almost every game, right? I mean, he almost hit it like 3,700 minutes I'm seeing here. Mm-hmm. Nico has that understanding with, with BJ on the right-hand side from their Welsh, you know, time together there. Do you imagine, and, you know, as an FPL, right, we have Nico at 4 million, which is kind of a golden goose territory. Do you imagine that he's going to be able to, you know, take along a few attacking returns to kind of marry your maybe eight, nine clean sheet range and be a good pick there? Yeah, because that's going to be the key to us at least staying up. You know, Nick, we had to we had to either keep Jed or improve on Jed. And I think incredibly we've somehow managed to improve on him. And the understanding that Jono and Nico have got through the Wales team, I feel like it's going to work. And I know these teams we're up against are just the best in the world, but there's going to be occasions where it's going to work. And I'm confident that, yeah, from an FPL point, I mean, Nico, <laughs> he's in my team straight away. So I feel be. like it, it, yeah, it is going to work. <laughs> Fingers crossed it's going to work. Okay. So, you know, let's maybe move over and talk about a few individuals. It, it, it's tough, right? There's a lot of kind of hypothesizing and theorizing because you did lose like half your team. But, mm-hmm. you know, we, we're seeing Taiwo come in straight away to replace Keenan, right? He's back at Villa. And it looks like mm-hmm. it's going to be him up top with, with Brennan Johnson, you know? How do they, you know, imagining Taiwo filling that role next to Brandon Johnson? You know, how how can we expect the two of them to interplay? You know, like who's dropping deep to hold it up? Who's running in behind? Like how how did that work last year with Keenan? And then just projecting to imagine how it will work with Taiwo this season. Yeah, well, Taiwo will do the Keenan job, and I mean, it's not out of the picture yet that we also get Davis. I mean, that's a rumor that's floating around quite a lot at the minute. So okay. I wouldn't be surprised if that was a late one for him, but. Yeah, I think Davis did the hold up well so so well. I think that he he'll replace him with that. And we've also got Surridge that did do a similar role who I think will feature as well, you know. He was a player that couldn't get in the Stoke team last year and it shows what Steve Cooper does, changing these players just mentally and physically to be top, top players. So I think attacking wise and going forwards we still do need one more just for cover. This five subs rule, it could kill us. So <laughs> we've got to be careful <laughs> there. <laughs> but um, yeah, I think it will still be, we've still got that core group of players to have that similar way we play, if not slightly adapted because of, you know, the quality that we're, we're up against. Mm-hmm. So, you know, looking at Brennan Johnson, I mean, 18 goals, 10 assists, incredible season last season. Taiwo, you know, he bagged his plenty, his fair share over at Berlin. Do you, and they're the same price in FPL, you know, are you really like Brennan's just the main man? He's going to be on pens. It's not even a, cl- a question. Or is that closer to you in your mind? You know, I mean, who's going to be getting on the score sheet more expectedly? Well, this is why I'm not going to do very well because I'm a man <laughs> in my heart and Johnson's going to be in there because he's just my guy. It's just unbelievable. Sure. But I've got Uni and Berlin friends and they, you know, as good as they were to le- lose him, they were excited to see him come to us. And it's that. Sure unknown with the players we get through Dane Murphy and 
and Cooper that he could be the next thing for us. He could have two seasons with us and we're selling for God knows what. <laughs> That's the excitement we get now with this. And we, like I say, we're not used to it. We've only had a season of this style of recruitment, this modern thinking. And it's probably why we haven't been successful for so many years and it's suddenly clicked now. So I do feel like every signing we've made so far has the potential. You know, they're young enough. They're from kind of unproven well, no, I suppose that's a bit cruel. <laughs> Bundesliga is very good, but you know these players that haven't reached the potential yet. We're not buying these thirty-four-year-olds that should scrape us through to survival. We're looking at next season and the season beyond. Yeah, you got to like that recruitment policy, right? Mm. To buy, you know, players who do have that ability to, you know, sell on for a greater fee while also, you know, doing the business on the pitch for you this season for sure. Yeah. So, you know, BJ, yeah, clearly, you know, the step up. He should be able to be ticking along with points. Taiwo, much more unproven, uncertain. I'm actually really glad you mentioned Serge because, you know, I remember Serge when he was with Bournemouth when Howe was over there still and he, you know, he had a couple appearances there and then he kind of went down to the championship. But I always kind of liked the player whenever I've caught him, you know, going back a few years now. He's only five million in the game. I mean, is there, is there any world where he can play with Johnson and Taiwo or would that be strictly, you know, one of them would drop out and Serge would come in or, or could he, could he all, could he do something with all three of them? I don't think he'll get the game time, you know, especially at without the start. an injury. Yeah. So I personally, I, I wouldn't, well, he, he's not going to be in my team to start with, but I certainly wouldn't count him off for having another really good season for us. Um, but yeah, I, ju- I just don't think he's going to get that game time now. With you know, we're recruiting players, and again, rumours are we're still looking for maybe Davis to come in or another. So I, I, I wouldn't be at the minute. Okay, so you don't expect when the window slams shut that he's your backup cover for the forwards. You do think one more is going to come in there. I do, but it, he if he is the backup, I'd be happy. Like okay, he's a, gotcha. he's a quality player. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, cool. Um, I also wanted to kind of mention Jack Colback. You know, he was kind of, he's been around, he's older, he's kind of that veteran hand now looking at your team as it gets younger. He kind of can do it all. I mean, he was playing some wing back last year. You know, we remember him back when he was at Sunderland playing, you know, really as a DM. He's a four or five mid. You know, that's another kind of spot that, you know, we always need at least one or two of in the FPL game. Is he going to get shouldered out by the incomings or are you thinking he's still going to kind of roam around and get his game time and, and play a lot well we, we haven't made the midfield recruitment yet so if it, if we don't make many signs he's going to be playing he's going to be getting the minutes the minutes and i trust him i trust him to an extent but he loves his yellow cards oh that's the God. thing with jack yeah. cole but like yeah you just get one again make sure he gets one again <laughs> You can tell when he's going to get them as well. You know, he runs a little bit quicker and he just looks a little bit more. But he's a quality player. He proved it at Newcastle. And, you know, he had a couple of quiet seasons with us maybe. But then when he was forced to go into that left fullback role, he was great for us. He really was. And he's, he's that kind of player you want in, his, in the squad, off the pitch and on the pitch. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, cool. Um, you know, also that 10 role, right? Zinker Nagel played all those minutes. He's gone. Hmm. Gibbs White, I've been seeing, you know, some floating around names. Wow. Who, you know, who do you want to see there? Do you, who do you expect to come in? Or what are some of the names that, that you're interested in that, that position? Because to me, looking at kind of that setup, a lot of times that might be the gold pick for FPL, right? Is that 10 roll who's maybe like the second runner past the hold up guy and counterattacking and, hmm. you know, the player's probably going to come in at an okay price. But who, who are you looking at there? I'd love Gibbs White, but I think if it does happen, it's going to be the last day of the transfer window. Oh, Wolves have, okay. It feels like Wolves are really trying to get a bidding war going. Uh, they've rumoured to, I think Everton had 20 million refused. So you're looking at the top ends of the 20s, which is astronomical for us. I mean, before this season, yeah. 13 million was the, the most we've ever spent on a player. Uh, it's right. strange that we seem to be looking at asset stripping Huddersfield now as if we haven't done enough damage to him. So there's uh, O'Brien from there, who's a quality player. I'd love to see him. We'd get him a lot cheaper. And again, he's that player that Cooper and Murphy would have identified to, to have that potential to to go on, whether with us or whether in a couple of years you sell him for double what you paid. But Gibbs White would certainly be the top of my list, but I'd be 
absolutely amazed if we got him and i'd love it obviously yeah yeah i mean he's he seems like wolves just hate him they can't wait yeah, to get rid weird. of him every season really and weird. they suck they can't score mm. goals for shit they just don't want their best creative player i don't know he's not portuguese i guess they don't like no. that well yeah he's not a mendez guy that's the problem isn't it <laughs> yeah and we yeah. suffered the mendez trait a couple of seasons ago we've managed to shake that a little bit so yeah um so 17 cleans last year you know losing Samba and getting um, Hendo in, you know, he's proven, you know, we saw what he could do with Sheffield United. You got, you know, three center backs. Are you expecting to keep a decent amount of clean sheets or do you think it's really going to be a scrape and a struggle to just keep any this season? No, we'll, we'll keep clean sheets. See, I mean, I look at how we're recruiting now and then you look at, you know, I don't think Fulham and Bournemouth have necessarily had the window we have yet. So there's teams there that we're going to be able to beat. There's teams that have been struggling the last few seasons and the clean sheets are going to be key. And I don't think it's any coincidence that the initial month of our summer recruitment has basically been sort the defence out. You know, Henderson, gutted to hear Samba is going to go to France. But God, you'd replace him with Henderson as much as I loved Samba every day of the week. He's proved it with Sheffield United a couple of seasons ago. He gets the clean sheets. He's going to have a lot of shots to save. (laughs) So it's, it, I, I love the fact that we got him early. We've now just got um, Hennessy from Burnley as well. So sure. Yeah. Sure, I yeah. Hope so. yeah. I'm a Palace supporter and I, you know, his questionable, you know, <laughs> actions back when he was with us off the field, you know, left, this, oh, gosh, left a taste yeah. in my mouth. Well, but yeah. uh, good luck with him. Another Welsh mm. player, I guess. They can just yeah. keep speaking Welsh to each other. Um, <laughs> and you got yeah. the center back, right? Niakate and who's going to make up numbers. I mean, Looks listen, right, good. Sam Cook, <laughs> I'm sure he was doing a job for you last year in the championship. He is not a Premier League player. There is no mistaking yeah. about that. I mean, in a three, you could hide some of his deficiencies, I guess, but you know, I mean, yeah, adding that, adding that extra center back is certainly going to help you guys over the long run, right? And McKenna, again, you know, I imagine he'll be Scotland captain within a couple of years. He is superb. Joe Worrell's probably going to be our captain next season. <laughs> Um, so those two, similar age, you know, similar style of play. I love them. Yeah. And again, just getting that extra person in as backup or us the third man because we do play three at the back. Yeah, uh, was yeah. key, and we've done yeah. it. Yeah, no, it's it's looking good. It looks like it really is just that ten roll and maybe a mm. maybe another forward. Well, we've you guys. got um, the the issue with getting Henderson on loan without a buyback was we can't have a second player on loan from Man United. Because we all did yes. assume we were going to get Garner, Garner and you look right, at right. Man United. They you need look to keep at Man United. Him. Well, <laughs> they've, they've, like, they've signed another now, so he's about fourth in Man U's pecking order. So again, I don't know whether we'd be looking at trying to put a bid in for him later in the window. And if we did, I'd probably have him in my fantasy. <laughs> you again, can only have three. <laughs> you can only have three, bro. <laughs> <laughs> You like keep clicking. He's like, I'll why can't I no put this eighth forest player in my team? It's not working. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Okay. Well, let, let's uh, finish up with just you know. I'm always interested to kind of hear about what the home supports like. I mean, I know you guys were a fortress at home last season under Cooper. You, you look, let up a, just a hand, small handful of goals. You know, the city ground. Is it sort of, you know, is that going to be a 12th man? Like it's going to be rabid and it's going to be a really yeah. tough place to go, you know, where in fantasy you, it might look on paper like, oh, they're going to at Forest, like, haha, they'll fuck them. But realistically, it's a tougher game than, you know, maybe we can expect. I'm full of optimism already this season. So, you know, you have to take what I say with a pinch of salt. But we played Leicester, Liverpool and Arsenal at the City Ground last season in the Cup. Mm-hmm. Um, Arsenal and Leicester I know it wasn't their first teams but they had a, a very strong squad we brushed them aside so easily and Liverpool they beat us 1-0 but it was you know it was a contentious goal and it was so close so I feel like it will be a fortress it's packed out every single game you're not going to get a ticket for love and the money and we kind of know what we've got to do I think we are a vocal support and it'll, it'll show next season and it'll have to and we we did do it last season. There's no reason we can't do it again this season. Love the optimism. This is the time to be optimistic. <laughs> yeah, don't get me on towards the end of the season and no, tell no, you about no. this. That would no, be bad. No. <laughs> <laughs> no, don't worry. I mean, you know, you, you get promoted, the deck stacked against you. You know, you rip your hand off for 17th place, you know, and that's the goal. That's the goal for you, your team, goal for Bournemouth, goal for, goal for Fulham. 
and we'll see where the, where the chips fall at the end of the season. But you know, you guys are you guys look good. You know, I'm really excited to see your team. And you know, any any parting words or anything that we didn't kind of touch on that you wanted to mention? No, I just think, like you say, we are looking good. And with the Fulhams and Bournemouths, they've still got a lot of parachute payments, which we've never had. So we really are starting from the bottom with this. And as Forest fans, I don't think any of us could be happier with how it's gone so far. And I just hope it translates to yeah. a, a decent start one way yeah. or another. To points. I mean, you do. You guys do have a pretty pretty kind opening run, all things considered. You know, Newcastle, West Ham, Everton. You know, you could you could sneak out three, four points there, maybe. Mm. Catch one of them yeah. unawares, you know. And then September. September's the key for me. We're playing Bournemouth, Fulham. Leeds. We really have got a run in September, which I think yeah. will make or break the season. Yeah. Yeah, home Bournemouth, home Fulham. You know, with game week six, game week eight, I'm seeing those are the big ones, right? Your other relegation home yeah, games. If you get definitely. six points there, that's going to be huge. So mm. we'll, be, we'll be cheering you on, Greg. The, the, Good. Forest. <laughs> All right, man. Well, again, you know, Greg's podcast, he's, he's hops on a Garibaldi Red podcast. You can find them on Twitter at Garibaldi Red with a little underscore there. Unfortunately, I guess that was taken. <laughs> but uh, thanks. Thanks so much for coming on, Greg. Really appreciate your time and your insights to Forest. It was excellent. No, I enjoyed it. Good speech, Adam. Cheers. All right. We are moving on to Fulham. And with me, we have Cousin Walshie. And Discord. He is a big time Fulham supporter. Been on Discord, Slack, fan of the pod for years and years and years. Welcome, Walshy. Thank you for coming on. Absolutely, dude. It's the yeah. Cuzbot. It's the Cuzbot. No relation, actual no relation, but <laughs> except you can for tell by looking at us. I know, right? I know, but you know, I think you know, Fulham. We saw them kind of walk the the championship last year. You know, kind of interesting changes transformation to the squad slightly but we do have a lot of familiar faces to the last time Fulham were up two years ago maybe kind of start with just giving us an overview of you know how the season went last year and you know what brought you guys back up well I think if you if you think about Fulham in general you know everyone goes back to like oh you know they were terrible last time they came up they're going to get relegated well to, to a certain extent, that's true, but that was also that season where they had, they literally beat Brentford in the playoff final and then had their first kickoff less than 60 days later and had to fully revamp their defense, et cetera. So, and they had a manager who might be the most like, I mean, he's like Sean Dyche and fancy London clothes. So Parker basically went into the season and was like, I just don't want to get scored on and was relatively successful at that. But what it meant was he neutered Mitrovic. They had no attempt to get into the attacking third. When they did play weaker teams, you just tried to play possession. And it didn't, it was just, I mean, the whole season was kind of a cluster. But even with that, I mean, if you look at their kind of XG or whatever the statistic guys say, I mean, they, they really should have finished about 14th or 15th. It just essentially had poor leadership. So it, Take the fact that we have an upgraded attack, which we can get into. Not so much of an upgraded defense, especially in the center. It's the same defense, but you replace the boy that you guys stole from us with Green, and you're, you know, a little bit more deficient there. A little really bit. Comes, what's that? A little bit. <laughs> well, so so if you think about it, though, Marco Silva changed the squad because okay. he didn't change the formation. Structurally, I mean, there might be some nuance to the way that he plays it, but what Marco Silva did was he said, I, I don't want to just pass the ball around the back. I want you to move it faster and get it into the attacking half quickly. You know, kind of like you see, not that I'm going to compare Marco Silva to Pep, of course. They move it into the, into the final third quickly. They're moving it around the back quicker, trying to find those spaces, and he wants to move forward. So I think what you're going to see this year out of Fulham just at a high level is they're going to attack. They're going to attack a lot against the bottom half teams. They're still going to get scored on because they play high line. And he think about their defenders, even like Tim Green's a great ball playing back. He's just slow and old. But when they're on the attack, he moves his defenders into positions where they can be helpful in attack. And then if they lose the ball and you have a skilled team that can put one over the top, or make two passes and get Mo Salah 
you know, in the corner against Anthony Robinson, I mean, they're going to, they're going to give up goals. So against the weaker teams are going to be trying to outscore the Brentfords and, you know, say Brighton's of the league. And then against the, the top six, they're just going to kind of, you know, maybe attempt to not get scored on 10 times, but just get destroyed. Yeah. I mean, I think they're just, yeah. they're, they're not going to play. They're, they're not going to sit there and just like shut up shop. I think he's yeah. still going to go for goals, but yeah, I mean, they're, okay. they're going to get, they're going to get pumped by Liverpool. They want okay. for sure. Um, yeah. I mean, the defense is obviously concerning and from a fantasy perspective, I mean, without really a 4 million player there, there's no real reason I think to spend time talking about that. So maybe we could just bypass that and look at some of the attacking options. Cause there are some interesting names. I think, you know, first name I want to throw out you throw at you is Andreas Holgebaum Pereira, you know, the new boy coming in. You know, boy. you guys saw Carvalho out, obviously, big miss. And, you know, looking at maybe shifting to more four three three instead of four two three one this year. What role do you see Pereira playing in, in this system for, for you guys next year? So so here, here's what I think is gonna happen with Pereira. So we rid of John McHale Seri. His contract is over. He's out. Prayer is in. So what you're going to see is he's going to play. And, and realistically, it's it's a it's a four two kind of three one is how they end up attacking. So what he's going to do is he's going to play Pereira next to Paulina or Reed in that kind of defensive mid role against the weaker teams. Then against the better teams, he'll have Harrison Reed. And Paulina playing the holding mid role, and then he'll move up into the floater role right behind Mitra. Okay. It's the weaker teams, he's going to still want him on the pitch, but he's going to want four full time attackers in front of him. So, like, the funny thing is, of course, everyone on the planet should have him in their game week one squad. If he's not over 50%, then that means there's more than 50% you know, bots out there. So, and that's just he's an enabler. He's for sure going to start every game. And if you saw the game on Sunday, they got pumped by Benfica, shocker. But he's taking corners, and he had an assist to Mitro at the front post. He's on corners, even if it's just for the in-swinger right-footed, you're going to pick up some assists. I think it's pertinent to discuss now that what you don't see if you're not you know, constantly following the Fulham you know, shitty transfer news is that Mont Manor Salman is coming over from Shakhtar Donetsk. Why is that taking so long? Well, so the issue is FIFA put in this ruling that any player still under contract can, without paying a fee, just go on loan anywhere they can register those players till August 1st. August 1st, okay. So he was in the stands at the game in Portugal against Ben. Uh, and Nice on Saturday. So he's been practicing. That was my big concern was like these guys that come in mid August, they don't have time to get like into the squad and get integrated. So my assumption is that he's practicing with the squad. He's working with Silva. He's getting his marching orders and he'll be ready to go week one. Now that doesn't really mean anything, you know, structurally because we're playing Liverpool, but there for kind of the Wolves, Brentford games, and is, is fully integrated. He could be very interesting, but when he gets registered, the question is if they put him in at a five or a five, five, then you have to make the decision. Like, do I want, you know, the five, five guy who's going to play either left winger opposite Harry Wilson or the floating Carvalho role, or do I just want to take the four five guy who's going to get two points a game and then get the occasional assist, the occasional goal. Um, I, my assuming that you're doing an early wild card, I would look to bring Solomon in on the wild because I think what you what you'd prefer is to have the guy playing further forward against the weaker teams when Marco Silva is trying to score, you know, three goals, and then even against the better teams, you're going to have the guy sitting right behind Mitro that's kind of floating around picking up scraps. But you know that's going to be a team specific thing. So you're expecting him to either play ten when you're doing four two three one, or play wing and not have Cabano in there or whatever on the left when you're playing four two three. And I Harry the, Harry Wilson's got the right wing nailed down. Right. So I mean, we can just kind of float through the rest of the midfield, right? So 
Chalaba and Reed will rotate in in that holding role. Paulina will play every, every game. game. Yeah. So then Harry Wilson is locked at right wing, and then Mitro. And then what you'll have on the role is a rotation of Cabano and Bobby Decker-Dover Reed and Salmon. Okay. But Decker-Dover Reed, or right behind Mitro, he's probably like the second choice yeah. for that. And but I expect, I expect those guys to generally get phased into a squad role. Sure. And just, it'll be, listen, if, if the reports about Salman are, are actually playing the Premier League, I think he's going to be a stud. Uh, uh, you're you're he, pretty optimistic over there on Maynard Solomon. I think there's a reason why he's being linked to full. I mean, he's he's a he's a good player as Shakhtar. You know, he's got Champions League experience, but he has to come in at five. I think for him to probably be an option. I mean, at five five, I think that's a big stretch. Let's see, you you don't want to pick up anything but the four five enabler until after week seven, yeah. right? I mean, after we're done with the Chelsea Tottenham games, you have a good run. You get a pretty good run of like seven or eight games. So if 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 he really is, if they are as attacking as I think they're going to be, and they've got a bunch of those weaker teams, he becomes someone that I'm going to look heavily at. Sure. I'll just sit on prayer all year. Sure. All right. Yeah. So that's a name to to monitor for sure. And right, we didn't talk about the opening fixtures are pretty pretty horrible. You know, up till game week seven, about as bad as you could you could look at for a run for Fulham. So you know, a lot of the discussion today for you know some of the other players other than prayer is maybe something just to keep in the back of your mind for the future. Mitrovic, you know, why is this year going to be different? You know, paint that picture for us. Because last time he was up with Parker, it was pretty bad. Well, you know, I've, I've, I've already shit on Parker all I'm going to shit on him. I, I actually, I really like him. But he's just a disaster of a manager. Um, it, so Mitro and Silva have this, like, kind of bromance. And what, what you saw last year from Mitro, and, and it'll be interesting to see that, you know, in the first six games, I wouldn't, I mean, I don't think many people are picking him up. I wouldn't, I wouldn't have him week one, you know, if he paid me. And under Silva was he really started to play. You saw him kind of play like a, a poor man's Harry Kane role where when we would get the ball in defense, he wouldn't go hang off the defender and try and bully those guys. He would drop back to kind of the midfield line in into Carvalho's space, and then that would make room for Carvalho to go wide or whoever plays that role, and then have Harry Wilson and Cabano make long runs into the corner, or they would play it to him, and then he would dump it off. So what it, it's given kind of a and, and he actually for you know is big and kind of I mean, he looks like a bouncer right or a boxer, but he's actually got good touch, so he can receive the ball turn play it out to those guys down the wing, and then hopefully his lumbering ass can get in the box before you know, they deliver it. So, I, you know, that was a huge change for him. He had you know, a lot more assists last year. And then what you're going to see is, you know, he just kind of like makes his way into the box and get crosses in and he does his thing. Good on headers. I mean, I don't actually think it's going to translate into that many more goals for him. I think he'll be a, you know, eight to 12 goal guy, depending on how many pens they get. But even if they are very attacking, I think that you're still going to want to look at the guys who are picking up the scraps. So whoever plays that number 10 role, and even, you know, if there's an, if there's a winger that can kind of find ways to get into the attack, because what he what he's really good at in the championship is hanging out about 12 yards out, 10 yards out, ball comes in and he's able to just, you know, kind of inside of the foot into the corner of the goal or get a header or whatever. I think that all the defenses are going to crash on him. And what you'll have is balls kind of spilling out to the top of the box. And if guys can be there to get those, they'll, they'll pick up random goals that way. So I, I look at him more as an enabler to pick up a cheap midfield option that has the opportunity to get both assists and goals. And if you're right, and they're trying to score three or four goals against Brentford, then your Pereiras might have goal assist, you know, kind of combo days. Mm-hmm. If you're playing a phone guy, you know, you're really going to start him every week. Like you're looking for opportunities for them to potentially do something for you. Sure. Okay. So Mitro, a little bit more of a dropping in role, maybe not going to hit that 15, 16 goal mark that some people might be fantasizing about. I like him for sure. High single digits just because of the volume. I mean, they will, they will create a ton more chances this year. 
just regardless, just because so that's the way Silva plays. They've got good wingers, and they they'll, they'll get the ball into him, and he's a focal point again. He wasn't under Parker, so he can't get really called two years ago a bust year for him. Twenty eight, or he'll be twenty eight in September, peak of his career, getting ready for the World Cup. You know, he'll, he'll be in there. If he was six, maybe I would be like, yeah, I'm just gonna you know ride that horse and play him in the fixtures. I think he's gonna dong in. But at, at six five, I think there's just too many cheaper options at forward, and you can pick up a five five or a four five midfielder that's going to basically, I mean, in the games where you're going to play them, potentially has more scoring output from an FBL okay. perspective. Okay, interesting. I, I wanted to touch on also Harry Wilson. I mean, it's been a long time since he was in the Premier League. He's, you know, it's born with back then. He was a Liverpool property, but you know, he's had a really nice season for you guys last year. You know what 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 is he looking like? Are you hopeful for? I know injuries have, have been an issue for him in the past. What do you what do you kind of what could we expect from him? I, I mean, other than Mitro, he's the most locked in guy on the team. I mean, he'll just hang out there on the wings. He's going to take all the in swinging, left footed corners, free kicks, direct frees. Right, he's on. Yeah, he'll be on a lot of the, almost all the direct frees. I mean, maybe if they want the right footed shot, they give it to Cabano. But if he's going to be a squad player. I mean, maybe Pereira is taking, you know, the right footed shots and he's on the left footed ones, but yeah, no. So, so I love Harry Wilson. I just, from an FBL perspective, from a Fulham perspective, he's fantastic. Opens it up. He'll swing in a lot of bouncing balls at Mitra's feet, hit him in the forehead. Sometimes I just don't think that the FBL output is there when you've got Pereira buck cheaper or is it a dollar and a half? Is he six? Yeah, he's six. He's not five. Yeah, I mean a dollar and a half cheaper, and you know whoever else is playing that floating ten left winger role. I mean, unless they're unless those three guys are just crazy rotated, and Pereira lives, you know, at a in a six eight role, then I then I might consider Harry Wilson, but I just don't see it for six. Okay, only problem. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I think they did sort of price him out of the game. He probably should have came in at five, five. I'm not really too sure what they were thinking, putting him in at six, but it's a little unfortunate because there is a player there. So, I mean, basically what I'm hearing you say is that, you know, Pereira is potentially a starter in our 11s when the fixture runs are good. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's, it's interesting. I mean, we definitely need to see. Put him first on your bench just for six weeks in a row because you have some man city guy, you know, that, that you're not sure is going to start ever. Yeah. You know, that, that's a great enabler role. And I, I think, I think there's going to be some games where, yeah, you would just put him in your starting 11. Yeah. Okay. We've got good fixtures. Okay, and cool. I, I think at the end of the day, um, six, seven, eight week period at the beginning of the year is going to tell you all you need to know. Okay. Yeah, and it's probably more looking for his role, right, in those easier fixtures. Is he really going to be getting in the final third, or is he going to be held back more, and is he going to be more six or, or eight? And yeah, all right, good stuff there. You know, I think one last thing before we get out of here on Fulham is the goalkeeping position. How secure is Rodak? Because Gazaniga, you know, we we are familiar with him in seasons past. He's gotten some some run before, but he's four million. Rodak's five four five. Is he just going to be the starter, Rodak, or is there a chance that he might lose that job? So what kind of the internal folks talk about, Fulham, they, they just say Rodak is much better communicating with the defense. He's a pretty good shot, shot stopper. He had a good year last year. And on top of that, you know, Gazaniga got a run out against Benfica, and they scored five on him, three in the first 30 minutes. And I'm not saying it wasn't the defense's fault, but like a couple of them were, were like this was your chance to make some an actual save. Like they were kicking the ball right at him, and it was just kind of going through his legs and you know over his knee. So, I, I mean, that told me all I need to know about Gaz. But so I, I don't, I don't see that as a play. I mean, he's my second keeper, just in case you know Rodak gets a, the you know COVID week one um, <laughs> or oh. But I, I mean, right now, like they're about a half a million dollars away from buying Burnt Leno. Um, and I think if, if they bring in leather, it's, it's the same thing they did with Ariola two years ago. He showed up two weeks into the season, was immediately the starter. That was a pretty good, you know, four or five keeper. So I would more keep an eye out for who's, who are they going to sign in the next month on loan or permanent and then wait seven weeks and see if, you know, 
Because if, if, if we sign a Joe Kim Anderson and an Areola again, well, September, I think that run between weeks eight and 15 is going to be phenomenal. And yet at that point, you could even look at a, a whoever locks down the right back role, Kevin and, and that boo boo or something like that. Abu from uh, Wolfsburger. Over there, yeah. Yeah. Uh, that's supposed to be done today. Yeah. I think the problem, again, it's the first eight weeks is your, your left back and your right back is going to be heavily rotated. The likelihood of us getting, you know, Brent Leno and Issa Diop in the next 30 days is, I'm not, not hopeful, but. Okay. All right, cuz. I think that kind of does it. Is there anything else you want to touch on that we didn't already hit? No, dude. Just that I hate Liverpool. All right, bro. Well, I actually love Liverpool, but if we <laughs> had if we had Harvey Elliott and and Fabio Carvalho on our team, we'd be in a lot better shape right now. Well, them's the breaks. <laughs> Those are the breaks. All right, bro. Thanks for hopping on. Really appreciate your time. Yeah, have a great Thursday. We'll catch you guys soon. Cheers. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Bye bye.